You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello everybody, I am back, and uh, unfortunately for you, it is just me this week. Um, There's a slew of stuff to discuss, I have to say, uh, even though none of the stories are particularly large. Um, No one else was available to uh, join me. I did ask Mark, but Mark has been stricken with a rather unpleasant eye infection, which is uh, leaving him somewhat under the weather, so... He's hoping maybe he can make it next week. Um, everybody else is busy, so just me this week. Um, so I will push on. Um, first story, of course, is Apple had a 2nd of December event, in air quotes, because really it was a total non-event. Um, they told us who had won the various uh, apps uh, of the year, um, and uh, realistically, that's... Not that interesting, is it, really? Uh, Affinity Publisher, um, from Serif, of course, Friends of the Show, won the best Mac app. Um, The others, well, uh, I'm sure they're lovely apps, but they're not things that uh, catch my eye in any way, shape, or form. So that was that. Um, Apple have finally announced that the new Mac Pro is going to be available to order on December the 10th. which just about squeaks it into their fall uh, uh, announcement. They said it would be available by the end of fall, and um, I'm informed that winter, technically, calendar-wise, doesn't start until the 21st of uh, December. So they've squeaked it in there. Whether you can actually get your hands on one on the 10th, of course, is another matter. They are quite careful, quite careful to specify available to order although i have to say um i'm not sure that the sort of people who uh, are likely to be spending you know six grand and up uh will be all that worried about uh you know exactly how uh you know quickly it will ship i'm not sure that many of them will be wanting them for christmas presents doesn't strike me as a holiday purchase really um there we go. Obviously, we've all talked about the uh, the Mac Pro before, and uh, it's very pro and very expensive. But uh, finally, people will be able to place orders for uh, for that device. Uh, Jonathan Ive has been removed from the Apple's leadership page. That's it. He's finally gone off to do whatever it is he's doing. Uh, love from Johnny and uh, Mark or whatever it was. Um, There we go. He is no longer officially part of the Apple leadership team. Um, There we are. Apparently, apparently this is another story. Uh, MacBook Pros uh, of the 16-inch variety are suffering from clicking speakers. Um, uh, Apple have confirmed that this is a software problem, by the way. It's not a, you know, it's not a speaker gate or any such thing, but there is a slightly embarrassing software problem, which is causing clicking in the speakers. Now, uh, Cult of Mac 
there's a link in the show notes, of course, have published a piece called How to Fix the New 16-Inch MacBook Pro Clicking Speakers. Um, and according to this, the problem seems to be to do with the sample rate. Um, apparently, if you change the default sample rate uh, to another setting, slightly up or slightly down doesn't apparently make a huge amount of difference. Um, and you apparently might have to do that two or three times until that sticks properly. But that should cure the problem. So there's your workaround. If you are lucky enough to have a 16-inch MacBook Pro uh, and unlucky enough to have clicking speakers, you need to get the MIDI uh, tool and change the sampling rate uh, for the output. Uh, there we are. Um, and no doubt Apple will be on that like a car bonnet, as they say. Um, also in Apple news, Apple have apparently bought their first ever batch of carbon-free aluminium. Um, obviously, aluminium is an incredibly uh, energy-intensive product to make. It uses a lot of heat, a lot of electricity. Um, it's environmentally not the greatest product in the world. Luckily, of course, it can be recycled uh, again and again, which is on the plus side. Um, I read this article. Um, it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Uh, Carbon-free, however, is probably pushing it a bit. Um, what they're doing is um, some aluminium, man uh, you know, manufacturers, uh, purifiers, call them what you will, have d discovered a way to, instead of using uh, carbon uh, electrodes, which is what is used to pass electricity through the um, the ore, the, the prepared ore, um, in order to free the liquid, you know, metal aluminium. Um, carbon uh, electrodes are burned up in this process, releasing large amounts of carbon dioxide. Um, this company has made some kind of ceramic uh, electrodes, which, although they are still, you know, consumed over time in the process of uh, creating aluminium, release oxygen and not carbon dioxide. So that's a good thing. Um, whether you could still call the, you know, the produced aluminium carbon free, I think is, well, let's just say I think that's stretching it a bit. Um, vast amounts of electricity are consumed. Um, unless you are producing that with hydroelectric, uh, I would say that the aluminium is still far from carbon free. But there we go. Um, and while we're talking about recycling, um, there was a report uh, by iFixit, I think, but it was reported on uh, ZNet. Uh, thousands of phones end up in the shredder or are unnecessarily scrapped every month for parts. Apparently, uh, they are complaining that Apple's activation lock, uh, which obviously, you know, renders uh, stolen iPhones or other uh, products useless to the miscreants. Um, they are saying people do not remove the activation lock when they uh, dispose of their, um, you know, devices or send them to be recycled or whatever, and thus they cannot be repurposed for reuse. They have to be uh, recycled for parts or turned into raw materials. Um, they are proposing or uh, putting forward a request that quote-unquote registered recyclers have a way to bypass the activation lock, um, that's a very bad idea. Sorry, that's a terrible, terrible idea. I would no more trust 
you know, registered recyclers to be able to keep a, a secret like that, then I would trust the FBI, the NSA, or my own government to keep secret the way that they have a back door into your phone. No, bad idea. Don't do that. What's required is education, education, education. If you have a device and you don't want it anymore, find out how to remove the activation lock before you get rid of it. Thank you. That's a public service announcement. Uh, and I'm sorry I fix it if uh, the activation lock is a bit of a pain in your rear end, but I think I'd rather that than the, uh, you know, the risk of people being able to bypass it and then effectively making it useless and then criminals will go back to stealing our phones. Because at the moment, iPhone theft is almost non-existent because they're pretty much worthless. There we are. Um, moving on a little. Uh, apparently BMW are no longer going to charge a monthly fee for people who have CarPlay. Um, about bloody time too. Cheeky monkeys. Bad boys BMW and Audi and anybody else who does that. Slap on wrist, I'm afraid. No, no, no. Um, obviously, I think they've been catching some heat about this for charging people a monthly fee to use a service which Apple provide for free. Um, so they're going to stop doing it. Good. They're going to stop it, and that's bloody good. Um, what else have we got in the news? Um, smartphone addiction. Young people get panicky when denied their mobiles. Uh, this was on the BBC News. Um, and we are surprised by this. Why? Really? I know plenty of adults who get incredibly panicky when denied their mobile. Um, we've all become addicted to them. We, we all have. Um, we can accept that. We can do things to moderate our usage or whatever. But are we surprised? Really? No. Um, there you go. You can go and, um, you can go and read that over at the BBC, uh, if you want. Um, this one was one sent in by Mac Jim. Um, I like this. I like this story. Um, a company called Lunaz is electrifying beautiful but unreliable classic cars. And this was on Engadget. Basically, um, well, it does what it says on the tin. They are converting beautiful classic cars, you know, Jaguars, Rolls Royces, whatever, um, and making them into electric cars. Um, I'm not sure the purists would say that that's really, uh, you know, what they ought to be doing. On the other hand, which would you rather? I think I'd rather say, um, I'd rather see a classic, uh, you know, Bugatti or whatever, uh, driving around, running on electric, than being scrapped or put in a museum where it just sits. Uh, cars are made to be driven, you know. Um, I'm not a big fan of, you know, going to museums where there's a load of cars. I mean, obviously, some are never going to run again for a whole host of reasons, I'm sure. But, um... I like to see at least some of them being driven, you know, that's what they're for. It's the same with trains, isn't it? I mean, who wants to go to a museum and just see a load of locomotives standing around? Doesn't really convey the uh, power and uh, engineering prowess, does it? Um, we all like to see the steam train, you know, fired up. Steam coming out of the valves and all the hissing and smoke and puffing and all that. That's... That's what we like. So uh, I think that's, you know, probably quite a nice thing. Um, as I say, purists will probably howl, but there we are. Um, also on the green front, this one, this one's really interesting to me. Um, rivers could generate thousands of nuclear power plants worth of energy 
thanks to a new blue membrane. Now, uh, this is in the Science Mag, and I think it might have been Mac Jim sent me this. Um, basically, um, green energy advocates may be turning blue. A new membrane could unlock potential blue energy, which uses chemical differences between fresh and salt water to generate electricity. Um, if researchers can scale up their postage stamp size membrane, uh, it could provide carbon-free power for millions of people in coastal nations where freshwater rivers meet the sea. Um, blue, blue, that's what they're calling it. Blue energy's promise stems from scale. Rivers dump 37,000 cubic kilometres of freshwater into the ocean every year. The intersection between fresh and salt creates a potential to generate a lot of electricity. 2.6 terawatts, apparently. 1.2 gigawatts! 1.2 gigawatts! Anyway, there we are. Um, apparently, this is equivalent to 2,000 nuclear plants. So, uh, that's a technology. Let's say we, we can all hope uh, actually, you know, matures and uh, becomes a thing. I think that's... These are the things we are looking for. These are the things we are looking for, I think. If we are going to continue... You know, enjoying the uh, fruits of a technological age, we are going to have to find ways to power our cars and all our lifestyles um, in ways that don't destroy the planet. Um, so, yeah, I like that story. That's worth a read. Um, and apparently, Magic Leap, Magic Leap, the uh, makers of the, you know, notoriously um, hyped, I suppose, uh, VR headset, um, who raised, you know, billions of dollars in venture capital, uh, said they were going to sell 100,000 headsets. And apparently, so far, they have sold a disappointing 6,000, according to Mashable. Um, I'm not sure what I think about Magic Leap. I got the impression that they constantly over-promised and uh, have failed to deliver anything really uh, solid at all despite, um, you know, a massive burn rate. A lot of people's uh, venture capital appears to have disappeared into Magic Leap for no real return. But um, there we are. We shall see what happens. Now, uh, before I move on, um, and before I forget, because this came in uh, a few weeks ago now, we had another review. Yes, a review on the podcast app. Um, we have had a review from Cruxto. Sorry I'm late, uh, Cruxto, but uh, here is your review. It says, Great Apple Podcast, five stars. I really enjoy listening to this podcast, especially when the host interviews software companies like Serif or Skylum, which were really good insights on what motivates these companies. Also, the po podcast has great giveaways. Uh, definitely worth the listen. A great British podcast. Thumbs up. Thank you, Cruxto, and as I say, apologies for not, uh, you know, reading out your review earlier. And any other listeners, you want to leave us a review and get it read out on the show, you know what to do. Head over uh, to Apple and leave us a review, and uh, we'll be very, very pleased. We like reviews. There we are. Um, so, what else? What else? Um, security and privacy? Well, um... This is where it gets a bit sticky, really. Um, LastPass bug apparently leaks credentials from previous sites. Um, this was on Znet. It's been reported other places. Uh, Dougie, actually, in the Slack room brought it to my attention. 
uh, and pointed it out and I said um, actually I think um, LastPass emailed me uh, directly in about September um, saying that they were aware of this problem and that uh, everybody should you know have automatic updates for LastPass turned on and uh, if they didn't to update immediately and you would be protected uh, obviously it's not great there was a bug but it's seems pretty um difficult to exploit and um unlike some other people cough cough uh LastPass notified everybody basically straight away uh put out a um you know an update straight away um in fact by the time i got the email i think i'd already had four or five updates so um i'm pretty sure i was protected um also as far as i could tell from reading it um, it mostly affected either Opera or Chrome. So if you were using the LastPass extension with those browsers, you were uh, at the most risk. I'm not saying you were at no risk with other browsers. Um, you know, I'm not experienced enough to tell you that. But basically, by the time they'd made the announcement, uh, I'd already been protected from any risk that there might have been. Um, basically, what I have to say about that is good on you, LastPass, you know, responsible disclosure, I think. Um, you know, I think it's far more uh, honest to admit that there may have been a risk and to do something about it than to try and pretend that nothing had happened and keep all your users in the dark. There we are. Um, there apparently is a nasty uh, Mac malware which uses the fileless technique to attack by stealth. Um, again, I've read this. Uh, it only really affects people who do uh, crypto. It's to do with uh, it's injected using you know malicious crypto um, products. Uh, basically trojan horses which uh, claim to do whatever with your crypto whether it's mine it or store it or something i don't know anything about crypto and i don't really care to to be honest but anyway if you don't use crypto you can forget about it if you do um be careful that what uh, apps you download are reputable and not dodgy ah uh, there we go i don't know what else to say about that one um fileless technique is um obviously a threat to everybody uh, everywhere on all platforms because the fileless technique i think we've talked about it before uh uses uh, a method where there is no actual um file on your device it's all uh, all performed in ram um apparently quite difficult to do but there we are um also apparently a tricky VPN busting bug lurks in iOS, Android, Linux distros, Mac, FreeBSD, OpenBSD, um, and a whole load of other places. Uh, apparently, um, a bug has been found uh, in the basically the core stack. Um, OpenVPN, WireGuard, IKE V2, IPsec are also vulnerable to tampering, apparently. Um, the University of New Mexico team um, said they've discovered a security weakness in most Linux distros, along with everything else we've just mentioned. Um, if exploited, encrypted, encrypted VPN traffic can be potentially hijacked and disrupted by miscreants. Um, 
To pull off the attack, a hacker would need to be network adjacent to the target or control an access point on the victim's local network. Uh, once connected to their VPN, the spy would be able to, for one thing, tamper with the TCP stream to do things like inject packets. Um, we were able to determine the exact SEQ and ACK numbers by counting encrypted packets or examining their size. Um, this allowed us to inject data into the stream and hijack connections. Um, additionally, uh, multiple VPN platforms could be exploited. Uh, yeah, this works against, as we just said, OpenVPN, WireGuard, IKE, V2, IPsec, uh, but has not been thoroughly tested against Tor. We believe Tor is not vulnerable as it uses a SOX layer. Um, it should be noted that the VPN technology used does not seem to matter and we are able to make all of our inferences even though the responses from the victim are encrypted by using the size of the packets and the number of packets sent. Um, they have prepared a paper with a detailed description of the flaw and will publish it once the workaround or patch for the security blunder is released. I'm not sure it's a blunder. Anyway, how tricky the bug is to actually exploit in the wild uh, there is no need to panic. So that's, uh, you know, all very scary. And then, except actually highly unlikely to ever affect anybody. But there we are. Always worth knowing about these things, I suppose. Um, the iPhone 11's U1 chip necessitates constant geolocation checks, uh, Apple says, on Ars Technica. There was a bit of a kerfuffle, um, apparently, earlier in the week when people found that uh, even if they turned off uh, location services, they were still seeing the location uh, pointer pop up. Um, Apple say this is to do with the ultra-wide band and that the um, location services checks your geolocation to make sure you are not in a restricted area where ultra-wide band is forbidden. Um, Apparently, according to Apple, all of this is done on device. Nothing goes anywhere. It simply figures out if you're in a prescribed zone and disables ultra-wideband if you are in a prescribed zone. So, there we go. It sounds like a lot of fuss about nothing, as usual, but um, Apple say they may uh, do something about it in future. There we are. Or probably just tell people exactly what they're doing. And uh, then people won't get their knickers in a knot, will they? Um, then we get to another story. Uh, Putin has signed into law uh, the uh, requirement that Russian um, software must be installed on smartphones, smart TVs, PCs. Well, basically anything that connects to uh, the Internet. Um, Obviously, uh, privacy advocates and the like are, you know, up in arms on this, saying it's basically a, um, you know, um, a access route for uh, you know, spying on users by having state-sponsored software which cannot be removed and is, you know, must be uh, put on devices. Um, Apple have said that, wait for it, that they will pull out of Russia come 2020 if they cannot get, uh, you know, this rule exempted, overturned, or otherwise 
uh, get around it because they say this would effectively be the equivalent of jailbreaking their own devices. So um, there we go. I'm not sure how big a market Russia really is for Apple. I mean, we know it's a big country. There's a lot of people there. Uh, But Apple have said that if they, you know, cannot defeat this rule, they may be forced to pull out of selling devices in the Russian market. There we are. Only time will tell what will happen with that. Um, But it seems very much to me that the Russians are um, intent on, like China, um, getting access to everybody's devices so they can spy on them. There we are. Uh, Be glad you don't live in Russia, I guess. Um, There's also a piece here which uh, I I got from CNET. Um, How to lock down your Gmail like Fort Knox with Google's Advanced Protection Program. Um, If you are using Gmail and you feel that you need to lock it down, I suggest you follow the link and uh, read it. Alternatively, uh, I would say just don't use Gmail. Go to um, a more secure provider. There we are. You you all know my favourite, but uh, there we are. That's what I have to say about that. Um, And that's pretty much all the stories. I know I haven't gone into them in great depth, but uh, with nobody to talk to, it's, uh, you know, a little bit harder than usual. Um... The worth a chirp this this uh, time is uh, Mac Jim again. Hello, Mac Jim again. Um, Mac Updater keeps your Mac apps up to date effortlessly. Um, this this piece was from uh, the Cult of Mac. I used to use the Mac Updater actually some years ago. I'm not sure why I stopped. Um, I think I got to a point where more of my apps came from the App Store than didn't, and the ones that didn't come from the App Store, Mac Updater was not particularly accurate at telling me when they needed updating. Um, However, you may find it useful. It's worth a look. Um, Basically, it will tell you all of the apps on uh, on your Mac, and then it will tell you if any of them are apparently, you know, not fully up to date. There we go. So, there we are. Time to wrap up the show. As usual, um, I can be found on the Twitters as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. All of our stuff is, of course, over at the uh, EssentialApple.com website. Um, There's uh, the Slack room, of course, if you want to join that, just follow the link. Don't forget that uh, Mac Jim has his family-friendly Essential Apple Flickr group for uh, listeners who are interested in photography. Um, Follow the link in the show notes, request an invitation, and don't panic if Jim doesn't get back to you in five minutes. Um, What else? What else is there to say? Uh, Thank you to everybody who supports the show, of course. Uh, You know, whether by uh, financial means, you know, uh, Patreon or the Pinecast Tips Jar, whether it's by uh, simply retweeting our, you know, show announcements, whether it's by badgering their friends to give us a listen, or anything else, really. Once again, I will just say, if you're going to buy stuff from Amazon, even if it's nothing to do with this show, please visit our site, press the big red Amazon affiliate button, you can't miss it, it's a great big red thing, Um, and then do your shopping, and we will get a few quid in kickback. Um, doesn't cost you anything, as Mark always says. You don't pay any extra. Amazon just give us a few pennies in the pound in return for getting you to go there. So, uh, thanks for that. Um, that's it. I think I'm going to call that a show. And, uh, until next week, stay safe, everybody, and goodbye.
You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.